Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Let's go to Mark chapter 5, and, and the Bible reads is a very famous passage of Scripture, and we're going to read about 10 verses today. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had not gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Have you ever been looking for the solution to what you're dealing with, and instead of things getting better, they've gotten worse? So she had heard about Jesus, so she came behind him through a crowd and touched his robe. But she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel her body, that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Oh, he said, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see what had done, who had done it. Then he frightened, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Verse 35, he says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I look at this passage of scripture, and this woman was supposed to be in quarantine. This woman was considered unclean because of her blood condition, and this woman was having her own experience of a deadly condition and a deadly disease. She was supposed to be in quarantine, but Jesus cared for her. Jesus ministered to her. And I had this radical thought, and I don't know if you can, this will resonate with you, but this radical thought was this. Watch this. What would it look like if Jesus pastored in 2020? What kind of church would Jesus pastor in 2020? 20. The title to my message today is, If Jesus Pastored in 2020. Look at the person next to you. Tell them the title to this message. Tell them, If Jesus Pastored in 2020. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these moments that we have together. Lord, we are so grateful that we can be in the house today. Come on. Lord, we are so grateful that we can be in the house today, Lord. I said it again. Lord, we are so grateful that we can be in the house today, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that you speak to us. We thank you for our online audience that is watching, Lord God, that this message, that as well as it translates in an in-person experience, Lord, do what you do, oh God, for it to translate in an online experience. Oh God, we thank you. We love you. We're so grateful for you, Lord. I know that 2020 is going to get better. As Marco said, you know 2020 is heavy. When we are excited about two 50-year-old men 
fighting each other. I don't know. We, <laughs> Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, come on, let's give God a shout of praise in this room. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Lisa and I are different. I know. We're different. And, and, and I think that we're different because we value different things. Lisa and I, we value different things. I think that that's one of the ways that you can tell that we're different. And I, and I knew this the moment we decided that we were going to go buy a new car. And so we, had, we got into the conversation about getting into a new car. And I immediately realized that we have a different set of values. Like we had this discussion and I'm over here saying, hey, we're going to look for a 2018 vehicle. It's going to be an a all-wheel drive. It's going to make sure anti-lock brakes. It's going to have automatic lights. It's going to have automatic everything, Bluetooth, all the good stuff that we need. Good car engine, low mileage. And Lisa's like, okay, that's nice, but what about the color? And I'm like, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not really concerned with the color as long as it has an all-wheel drive, as long as it has, you know, um, a low mileage. I'm good with that as long as it's a 2018 modern vehicle, less than 40,000 miles, less than maybe 50,000 miles. Like, that's the kind of car. We, and she's like, okay, all right, boy, if we don't care about the, the, the color, then, then it needs to have bun warmers. Like, I'm like, honey, let me tell you something. I, I, I get it. I get it that I, I get it that we need bun warmers. But I'm just letting you know that I'm not necessarily putting that at the priority of my list. Like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to look for a 2018 Kia. I'm going to look for all-wheel drive. I'm going to look for more, all mileage. And when the guy says, hey, you want to take this car? I'm going to be like, no, I can't. Why? Because it doesn't have bun warmers. Like, we got a different set of priorities. We got a different set of values. What she values, I don't necessarily value. What, what I value, she doesn't necessarily value. And we see this in so many of our conversations. Like, we had this conversation about Christmas. And, and um, uh, she, doesn't, she, know, she didn't know that I was going to talk about this, but that's why I'm the man of the house. And No, I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm just joking. Everybody looked at Lisa. Lisa, you're going to let him say that? Um, we had this conversation, and I'm like, honey, you know, and she's like, you know, I, I think that they're going to give me, give me a bonus at the job. And, you know, maybe we can use that money to buy more gifts. And I'm like, nah, baby, like, like we, we're planning to get a house and, and maybe that's what we should focus on. And she's like, you know, no, no. And I'm like, what do you mean no? She's like, no, can we just worry about that next year? And I'm like, next year is a month away. And I'm just, you know, I just think that we should use any extra money that we get. We have an allotted money. We have a budget that we're going to use. And she's like, no, no, like, let's just have a great Christmas. And for me, everything she says looks like this. Look. <laughs> let's just have an amazing Christmas. And I'm like, no, I want to buy a house. And I want to I wanna get what we, what we want the most. And we see that even, like, when we plan on things. She's like, oh, can we plan to use this money for vacation? I'm like, no, let's put that for the down payment on a house. She's like, no, let's just go on vacation. <laughs> I think that you can tell a lot about a person based upon what they value the most. I think that you can tell about Lisa because based upon what she values, Lisa loves the moment. She loves relations. She loves the enjoying the moment. She loves the experiences of life. And I think you can tell about the things that I prioritize and I value that you could say, hey, Pastor Roe, you know, he's, my personality will say that I'm, a, I'm an overachiever. I'm looking to achieve something. I set a goal and I accomplish it. I put a list and I do the list. Like, those are the things that I value. You could tell a lot about a person based upon what they value. 
And I think that that's important because if 2020 has showed us anything, 2020, there's nothing like pressure that would expose what people value at their core. I think there's nothing like a pandemic that would squeeze out of people what it is that they really value the most, right? The moment that we got notice, pandemic, the moment we got, oh, COVID, the moment you see quickly what it is that people value. Like, you know, some people jumped into self-preservation. Like, we're going getting all the toilet paper. It doesn't matter. Maddie Scott's, Marshall, it doesn't, we're getting everything. Self-preservation. Like, some people just jumped into security. That's what they valued the most. They jumped. They took their money out of the bank accounts with just security, making sure that we're good. You could see how much, how uh, pressure pulls out of you or squeezes out of you what it is that you're really made of. It really squeezes out of you. It is so exposing. It is so telling of what it is that you hold tightly and what it is that you are married to and what it is that you value the most, which got me thinking. What would have the 2020 pandemic year squeezed out of Jesus? What would have what we have experienced in this year look like in the life of Jesus? What would Jesus have communicated in what would have been pulled out of Jesus? You know, I love this term that it says something came out of Jesus. She pulled something out of Jesus. She tugged onto something out of Jesus. What would it look like if Jesus pastored in 2020? And I think what Jesus would tell us, I mean, there's so much that Jesus could communicate to us. And I just, I just had this thought like, yo, what would it look like if Jesus was pastoring your church in 2020? Because I'm asking all my pastor friends and they're like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what it looks like to pastor in 2020. Like, who's making up the rules? Who's writing them? Who's following them? It, it just, like, whatever, right? And I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me that. Well, what would Jesus have pastored? How would Jesus would look like? And I just think that when we look at this passage of Scripture, we can pull so much out of it based upon Jesus' character on how he would have pastored in the middle of a pandemic. And can I give you the first thing that I believe that Jesus would have said to his church in the middle of 2020. Can I give that to you? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Five people were ready. Let's say it again. Online audience. I'm just talking to the online audience. If you're ready, say, I'm ready online. Let's try this again. If you're saying, I'm ready, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. I think that if Jesus pastored in 2020, he would tell us, value people for who they are and not what they can or cannot do for you. Woo! I'm going to say that again. I think that if Jesus was pastoring in 2020, he would tell us, value people for who they are and not for what they can or cannot do for you. Have you ever noticed that Jesus had this remarkable ability? He had this uncanny ability. He had this extraordinary ability to value people based upon who they are. It was almost like he valued people and valued humanity based upon who they are. Like, he, there was something about Jesus' life that said, I value you more than what you can or cannot do. 
There was something about the, val- the life of Jesus that said, I value, your perf- I value the person over their performance. There was something about Jesus that said, I value the relationship over the resume. There was something about Jesus' life that said, I value the human being more than their capability and ability or lack thereof. There was something about Jesus that said, I value the human being more than human behavior. I just look at the life of Jesus and if he valued relationship over resume, then he also valued people over performance, which means he also valued People over principles, over rituals, over rules. Like Jesus was able to value people over their performance. And when you look at the life of this woman, Mark chapter 5 paints it very well. It communicates a woman that she had nothing to offer Jesus. It communicates a person that that she, at this point in her life, the Bible says that she was suffering for 12 years. And at this point in her life, this woman had absolutely nothing to offer Jesus. She had nothing of substance to give to Jesus. She had nothing of potential in the eyes of so many that would say to Jesus, okay, you are worth something because of what you can do, because of what you can give, because of what you can offer. We find it very clear in Mark chapter 5 that this woman wasn't in a position to offer anything to Jesus that he could have not done on his own. But Jesus valued people over their performance. Jesus valued people over the, their performance. And I just, I, I, I look at this passage and it says that this woman was in a crowd. She had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from doctors over and over the years. She had spent everything she had to pay for them, but she had got, she did not get any better whatsoever. In fact, she had gotten worse. Can you imagine that? That she's in a condition that she hasn't, she doesn't have anything to offer, but she's also getting worse. And I just think about her value. Like, how was this woman valued? I want you to think about the context in which she was in. How was this woman valued? Like, was this woman valued in society? Because here's the truth. Like, people will value you based upon what you have to offer them. But the moment you may not have much to offer them, you'll see how quickly your value begins to diminish in their life. How did, how did people assess the totality of her worth? Like, how did, how did this doctor look at her? In society, the Bible says that she would go to the doctor and the doctor would, 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 the doctor would, would, would um, uh, provide her medication or pr- provide her services. And, oh, she was of some worth to the doctor. Why was she of some worth to the doctor? Well, she was worth something to the doctor because as long as she can provide provide payment for her condition, well, she had some value. She was able to do something for the doctor. As long as she was able to make payment, the doctor would keep seeing her. What was her worth? Her worth was her ability to pay for her pain. Her worth was her ability to keep coming back and keep coming back. And this is how, but the Bible says that the moment she ran out of money, she could not go to doctors anymore. Well, how did the priest assess her? Well, the Bible says that in Leviticus, according to ancient Jewish rule, the Bible says that if you were dealing with an issue of blood, you were deemed unclean. 
And so the only place that she has to go to hope, the only place that she has to go to get restoration, the only place that she can go to to get some level of peace is church. And she can't make it to church. Well, how did the priest? Well, she can no longer interact with a rabbi. She can no longer interact with God's people because she was deemed unfitting. She was deemed unclean. She was deemed as unworthy. How did people value her? Well, also, if she was married at this moment, the Bible says that she would have had to leave her husband. They would create these camps that they would put people that were sick perpetually sick. According to Leviticus, if you were bleeding for seven days, you would have to remain outside for seven days in quarantine for seven days. If you were dealing with it for 14 days, guess what? You were in quarantine for 14 days. Well, what happens when you are dealing with this for 12 years? So for 12 years, this woman had to be quarantined. And if she had a husband, she would have to walk away from her husband. If she had a child, she would have to walk away from her child. And all of a sudden, her worth, even as a Jewish mother, was stripped away from her. Her worth as a Jewish wife in, in those ancient Jewish times, when you understand biblical language, you'll see that this woman had great value in being a wife and being a, a person that can bring forth children. But what happens now when that's stripped away from her? What's her value and her worth? Do you see the picture now? Are you with me? Do you see the picture that this woman is approaching Jesus with absolutely no value? But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, but she heard. But she heard. And I just can't, can't help to think, like, what is it that she heard about Jesus? What is it that she heard about the Savior that made her think, I can go and reach out and touch him. What is it about Jesus that would allow me to break the rules and violate Levitical law just to touch a, a Jewish rabbi? And I, I kind of think that maybe, just maybe, what she heard, maybe she overheard a conversation. Maybe she heard somebody speaking about Jesus. Did you know about Jesus that he's healing people? Yeah, but I don't have money. No, he values people with no money. What? Oh, maybe she overheard that Jesus is healing people and she's like, well, I don't have anything to offer. I haven't gone to church, but guess what? I also heard that he values people that don't go to church. He also heard that Jesus values people that can't do nothing for him. She also heard that maybe Jesus loves people that can't do anything for him. I wonder what it is that she heard. I wonder what she heard about Jesus that would make her feel like she can go and touch the hand, the hem of his garment. Maybe she heard that Jesus doesn't correspond with people based upon their performance. Maybe she heard something about Jesus that she never heard about any other person before. Maybe Jesus had a reputation. Maybe she heard all the good things that she needed to hear about Jesus. Maybe she heard that Jesus loves people despite of their sin, despite of their ugliness, despite of their condition, despite of their mess. Maybe she heard something about Jesus that she's never heard before. And she said, I can touch the hem of his garment 
And I think that there's just something incredible about Jesus, that Jesus is able to love people despite, Jesus is able to, to value people intrinsically despite of what they can perform. I think if Jesus was here in, tw in 2020, he would say, what is it about humanity that we don't see the value within ourselves? I think that he would say, what is it about humanity that we can't value one another simply because we are human? There was something about Jesus that said the only qualification that you need for me to value you is for you to be a human being. That Jesus would value people over their performance. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, what, what begins to happen is that we begin to feel devalued because people don't value our performance. See, the truth is that the many reasons, the reason why we value other people based upon performance is because our self-esteem is based upon our performance. So our value, the way we value ourselves, the way we value and, and, and esteem ourselves is based upon what we do. And so if someone doesn't appreciate what we do, we think that we're not appreciated because they don't value what we do. And the thing is that we're so tied and married to what we do that we get offended when people don't value what we do because our identity has been tied to it for so long. See, I value Reuben for who he is, not because he's a great preacher. But if your identity is tied to your preaching, then when people don't appreciate your performance, then you start rejecting them because you feel rejected that they've rejected your performance. And simply because they don't value your performance, you think that you're not valued. But when you understand that you are valued by God, you understand that your value is not based upon performance. And so you can value people independent from valuing their performance. And this is how we approach God. Well, then I want to achieve something that's already been attained. I want to accomplish something that Jesus already did on the cross. And we're going before God trying to earnestly reach some level of performance that God can look down on us and be more pleased than he already is. And so our Christian life and our walk with Christ is done by the same means. It's like, God, I just want you to value me based upon how much I pray, based upon how much I read the word, based upon how much I give, based upon how much I come to church. And God is saying, no, no, my son, my daughter, I value you for who you are, not what you can or cannot do if you believe that in this place give God a shout of praise I think that this this woman heard so much about Jesus and I'm just saying to myself maybe she heard that Jesus was in town and that he loved sinners Maybe she heard that Jesus loved people unconditionally. Maybe she heard that Jesus' goodness was leading, leading people away from their sin. Maybe she heard that he had 12 unqualified men that are now changing the world. Maybe she heard that Jesus forgave a prostitute, that he acquitted the sins of an adulterous woman, and that he quenched the thirst of a woman in Samaria. Maybe she heard something about Jesus that 
that turned her around and said, man, this man sounds so good because if he could forgive a prostitute, if he could acquit an adulterous woman, and if he can quench her thirst, maybe, just maybe, I can reach out and touch the hem of his garment. What did this woman heard? I think she heard that he valued people for who they are and not what they can do. What would it look like if our church would value people for who they are and not just what they can do? I think if Jesus was pastoring in the middle of a pandemic, he would say to us, value people. Value people for who they are. Not, not for their performance, not for what they can do. Not what the value that they have to offer you. Value people for who they are. Jesus would say, the reason you're precious is not because of your performance. The reason you're precious is because I've deemed you to be precious. I've created you to be precious. You are intrinsically precious. I think the second thing that he would tell us in the middle of this pandemic is if Jesus passed it in 2020, he would tell us to spend more time caring than correcting. Woo! I'm going to give you guys a chance to say amen for that. I think Jesus would tell us, hey, if spend more time caring for people than correcting me. And the truth is that it does, the truth is that Correction has its place. Correction has its place. That's the truth. The truth is that it's not that we don't value correction. It doesn't, it, it's not that we don't value or appreciate correcting uh, behavior. That's not the case. The, the truth is, what did Jesus value more? How did he live his life? What did he lead with? Did he lead with correction or did he lead with care? Because this would have been a perfect opportunity for Jesus to have been like, excuse me, ma'am, why are you touching me? Do you not know that I am a rabbi and you are breaking the, Levit the Levitical law by touching me? Do you not know that now you are, you are unclean and you are... See, he could have been... He's going to use that great opportunity to try to correct someone, to try to correct her. It would have been the perfect time for Jesus to correct her. And I think sometimes we approach... Our world is filled with people that are trying to correct people. Have you seen your news feed? Have you seen your social media feed? It's people pontificating upon the things that they think they know and pointing out how wrong the other side is and how right they are. It's people highlighting their righteousness and exposing the unrighteousness of others. Have you seen our social media climate? It's filled with people that know answers but have no resolutions. And we're plagued with this idea, well, you should know better. You should know better. I, I'll tell you, I've got to be honest. Can I be honest with you? I am the king of you should know better. Like, this is my struggle. Have you ever dealt with that? Like, just, you know, you know you see somebody acting up and like, you should know better. You know what I mean? Like, this is how we treat our kids, right? How many parents know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you should know better. I saw somebody, I saw a parent the other day smacking up a kid because she didn't know how to carry a cake and a jacket at the same time. And she's smacking up her kid with a, with a, with a pamphlet. And she's like, hey, what, what are you? I'm like, did you ever teach her how to carry a cake and a jacket at the same time? 
and you smacking her up and down as she should know better, but you've never taught her that. And we live in this society where we think everybody should know better. We think everybody should know better. And I'm, I'll tell you, man, I am, the, I am the king of you should know better. I, like, Lord, help me. Like, Lord, help me. Like, I'm, I'll be like, I, I deal with the temptation all the time. I'm like, oh, really? 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 After 12 weeks of grace, 12 weeks of me teaching the grace of God, you still think that you have to correspond with God based upon performance. You should know better. R- really? Are you? Really? You're just going to go ahead and post that. You're going to post that? Yeah. You should know better. Everybody, you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, you, really? You look at your children, like, really? You should, you should know better. And that's how we interact. The church has become famous for telling people that they should know better. And we condemn people because we think that they should know better. And we judge people because we think they should know better. And we interact with people because we think that they should know better. We look at people, we look at the political, how dare you? You call yourself a Christian and you voted for Joe Biden? You should have known better. Look how quiet it got real quick. (laughs) You call yourself a Christian and you voted for Trump? You should know better. Real Christians don't vote for Trump. Then you have the other side. Real Christians don't vote for Joe Biden. And look at the kind of church that we're creating. That even in the church of God, the church has never been more divided than it is right now from the political perspective that we point the fingers and we just look at people where you should know better. See, Jesus could have looked at this woman. She should have said, listen, man, you've been dealing this with 12 years. You know the rules. You know that you're unclean. You know that you cannot touch a Jewish rabbi. You should know better. But you know what he does? He calls, he he, he stoops to her level and she says, he says, daughter, did you see the tenderness in his care? And oftentimes the church of God is leading with correction instead of leading with caring. And we're leading with pointing the finger and making sure we tell people how wrong they are. And this is how we approach our religious duty. We just look at our lives and we look at the way people live and and we just say, we need to correct that behavior, not realizing that God is not scared of people's behavior, that God is not thrown in a conniption because of people's behavior, that God is not flabbergasted because of people's behavior. Why? Because God cares more about the being than he does the behavior. Well, that's, that's why we correct people past the road, because we love them. It sure don't look like it. It looks like you correct people because you just want to correct people. Because I think that when you want to correct people and you genuinely love them, you don't lead with correction. You lead with care. If Jesus passed it in 2020, I think he would look at Kuhau and tell Kuhau, hey, it's better to care for people than it is to correct them. It's better, to, it's better to just really care for people and see how they're doing and, and offer them advice as, with your arm around their shoulder rather than telling them that they should know better a million and one times. Rather than trying to correct their behavior. You care for them first. You lead with care. And then 
that opens up the access for you to bring correction in their lives. Show me where Jesus corrected someone without first caring for them. Jesus would say, spend more time caring for people than correcting them. He didn't correct Zacchaeus, he cared for him. He didn't correct the woman caught in adultery, he cared for her first. And God is not scared of your badness. God is not scared of the wrongdoing of people because God is a greater savior than you could ever be a sinner. God is much gooder than you are better. You don't get this anywhere else, inventing words. The last thing I, I want to share with our church today is that if Jesus passed it in 2020, I think he would say be more inclusive than exclusive. As the worship team comes up, I think that this is what Jesus would tell Kuha right now. Be more inclusive than you are exclusive. I genuinely believe that this is what he would tell Kuha. That Jesus would tell Christ uncensored, hey, you need to be more inclusive than you are exclusive. Uh, the Bible says this, that says, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then, he and then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what he had done. And he said to her, daughter, watch this, your faith has made you well, go and peace, and your suffering is over. You know, I, I read this and I just, I, I was surprised that Jesus referred to her as daughter. Why? Because he never refers to any other human being as daughter. Like, I, I looked at it, I looked it up and I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, Jesus refers to this woman as daughter. But he never, like, I thought that that was something he did, you know, like, you know, like, when you see people be like, hey, buddy, hey, what's up, homie? I thought that that was like one of his terminologies. But nowhere else in scripture will you have Jesus refer to another woman as daughter. And I just found it so intriguing and the Holy Spirit showed me so clearly what was taking place right there. Here's what was taking place. Jesus was doing a lot of this, look. I'm trying to fit people in. Jesus was trying to be more inclusive, why? Because she was an outcast. She was disagreeable. She was looked upon as someone that was unclean. She was rejected by many and Jesus is saying, no, 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 too much of God's people in the name of God are creating, we're creating lines. Nope, you don't agree with me, you stay right there. No, we don't have the same political affiliation, you stay right there. No, you can't see the way things I see them, you stay right there. No, you offend me, you can't value my worth based upon my performance. No, you can stay right there. And we do a lot of this, look, look. This is my clique. This is my group. These are the people I trust. These are the people that I do life with. No. Did you see what Jesus was trying to do? 
Jesus does this. Jesus is doing this. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let me see how many people we can fit in here. Let me see how many people we can bring in. Let me see how many people we, why, why? Why does he leave the 99 for the one? Because <laughs> I would have had the 99, I would be like, see you. See you, you rebel. That's why you get, you leave, go, go. Better by ya. Look at Jesus. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No. I need that one too. I'm, I'm inclusive. I'm inclusive. Now look, look at the picture. Watch this, watch this. This is amazing. This is amazing. Jesus says, who touched me? Who, who touched me? Now Jesus never asks a question that he does not know the answer to. But every time you see Jesus ask a question, he's about to reveal another level of himself that hasn't been seen before. And so I see it like this. The Holy Spirit showed it to me so clearly. He showed me that Jesus was making a scene. Because if you read that passage, if you read that passage, the Bible says that he was on his way to go heal Jarius' daughter from an illness. You know, who a Jar you know who Jarius was? Can I tell you who Jarius was? Jarius' daughter, Jarius was a local church pastor. You know who deserved healing? His daughter. Yeah. These guys are the ones that are included in the blessings of God. It's the pastors. It's the synagogue leaders. These are the ones that are included in the blessings of God. You, my friend, are not. You're not part of this blessing. You're not part of what God is doing in my life. You are not part of. And this is when I'm like, this is when I, I start, you should know better. Like we preached literally 12 weeks about not making people the enemy. You should know better. <laughs> this is my fault. Jesus goes like this. See, the whole crowd was following Jesus because they perceived that he was going to heal this man's daughter who deserved to be healed. Yes, yes, let's go heal this. Jarius can't have his daughter die. Jarius can't have his daughter sick. We got to go heal Jarius' daughter. In the midst of that, this woman comes and she touches the hem of his garment. Jesus goes, Who's touched? who touches me? Jesus, you know who touched you because when you were in Simon's house, the Bible says that you heard his thoughts. Jesus, you know you. Stop frying, Jesus. You know who touched you. But no one else knew who touched him. And I think he was trying to make a scene. You ever seen that person? Like, I, I love May because May talks to strangers. She's like, you ever met that person in, like, in your shopping? And then they'll try to start a conversation with you? <laughs> Can you begin? <laughs> the spaghetti, $6.99. <laughs> you know that person that try to start a conversation, like, speak loud enough? They, and, like you're, like, you're trying to ignore them? Well, at least I'm trying to ignore them. And they'll like say it louder. <laughs> Can you believe it? The sauce, $8.99. And you're like, why are you talking to yourself? They start, he's trying to start a conversation. I see Jesus going like this. Hey! Hey! 
I'm not by myself. I'm in a crowd. Hey, who touched me? Hey, who touched me? And the crowd surrounds Jesus. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's around you. Hey, no, who touched me? I felt some power come out of me. Who touched me? And I think that the reference wasn't for a miracle. I think it's so that they can be, she can be identified as his daughter. Who touched me? Let me tell you who touched me. See, everybody was excited to see the ones that were included in the blessing, which were the Jewish rabbis. And he's looking at them and he says, you see, we're going to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. But the same way you see that she deserves healing. So my, hey, everybody, you listening? My daughter, your suffering is over. My daughter, you see the way Jarius' daughter deserves healing. She's included in the healing. The same way you see Jarius receive grace, she is my daughter. And I genuinely believe that he uses the only time in scripture that he ever refers to a woman as daughter was in this instant. And it was to preach the message that she is included in my family that she your sin can't have you your mind your past can't have you your mind your failures can't have you your mind the label society puts on you can't have you you are mine you are mine this is the heart of god not only in this passage but for his church, if Jesus passed it in 2020, he would say, be more inclusive than you are exclusive. First Peter, I mean, second Peter chapter three, verse nine. Look what it says. It says, the Lord isn't slow to keep his promise. Lean in, are you with me? Watch this. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise as some think of slowness, but is patient towards you, watch this, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. Yo, I'm telling you, I saw this and I'm like, I just, I'm only consumed with the promises of God. I'm like, sometimes I'm so consumed with what God is doing in my life that I forget what he's doing in the world. He says, listen, it's not that I haven't, it's not that I'm not faithful to my promise. It's that I'm delaying my promise. You know why? Because I'm trying to include more people in the promise. My God, he's saying, I'm trying to include more people in the promise. So as the promise is being fulfilled, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing, no, 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 no. You can't be part of the promise. You can't be part of the promise. I'm extending my hand as far as it can go. And I'm saying, I'm reeling you in. I'm reeling you in. I'll delay the promise. I'll delay my second coming so that more people will be able to experience that promise in me. Come on. What if we live like this? If Jesus passed it in 2020, he would say, man, value people for who they are, not what they can or cannot do. If Jesus passed it in 2020, he would say, care for people more than you try to correct them. If Jesus passed it in 2020, he would say, 
be more inclusive than exclusive. Can we get up on our feet and bow our heads? Lord, we thank you that you included us. Lord, we thank you that you cared for us. Lord, we thank you that you value us for who we are. Not for what we can or cannot do. See, what would it look like if Jesus pastored in 2020? Can I tell you what it would look like? See, Jesus is not physically in this world today. In fact, he said that it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit could be here. You know who the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is Jesus in you. I want you to understand that. The Holy Spirit is Jesus in you. You know what if Jesus pastored in 2020 would look like? Whatever you made it look like. I wish Jesus would come and pastor this 2020. And he goes, I am. But it's not me physically coming back. It's it coming through you. It's for you to care for people instead of correcting them all the time. It's for you to be more inclusive and, and rather than exclusive. It's for you to value people for who they are. Not for what they can do for you. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes right now in this moment of reflection? Let's just receive what the Lord has to say for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that I am a recipient of the value that you've projected on me. Thank you that I am a recipient of the care that you've given me. And I thank you that I can be this to the world. If you're here today and you say, man, I, my heart needs to turn to that. I want to pray for your life right now. I want to pray for two kinds of people today. Anybody that wants to place faith in Jesus and those that say, man, I want the life of Jesus to be pastored to this world through me. If that's you, would you lift up your hand at the count of three? One, two, three. Lift up your hand all over this room. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hand right back down. We thank you. We thank you. If you're tuning in online, I want you to just repeat this prayer after me. We have a room full of people that are going to say this with us. Say, dear Jesus, I receive your love. Therefore, I give you my life. And I look forward to the journey you have for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that lifted up their hands. Lord, I thank you that they are part of the family. Lord, I pray that our hearts may open so wide that we will be more inclusive than exclusive. That we would look to rally people into the fold instead of dividing and excluding them into the fold. Lord, that every action we take is doing one of two things. It's either including people or excluding them, Lord. And I just pray that we would be more inclusive than exclusive. I pray that our hearts may be tenderized to be able to value people for who they are, for simply being human beings. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.